Hello everybody, it's Marcy from wavesofcommunication.com. Welcome to another episode of the Language Facilitation Helpline podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. Every action you take to help the late talkers in your life is important, that the fastest results come when you enjoy the process of language facilitation. I've got some strategies for you to get started with about what to do when you believe that your child has been misdiagnosed. Now, I know that misdiagnosis is going on all over the place, all over the world right now. If you have concerns about your child, maybe you're not thinking about what they need. You're just thinking about your concerns and you're taking your child to a professional just to get some kind of diagnosis or reason about it. Now, what's happening these days is that the autism spectrum disorder diagnosis is serving two purposes. Number one, it's opening a lot of doors for um, providers to be able to enter families into their services. Okay, we'll give you this diagnosis. And ASD conveniently is a spectrum disorder diagnosis that is identified by observation. All you have to do is observe a child. If they need a few um, things on a checklist, you have you've been to the training to be able to give out that diagnosis to do the ADOS or whatever tool you're using to checklist off these kiddos. If you went to that training, then you evidently have been given the criteria to be able to dole out those diagnoses. And it doesn't matter what you have letters behind your name or not. All you have to do is have training in the tool to see what it is. I myself have been through that same training, so I understand exactly what it is. So it's not uncommon that people are getting these diagnoses because it's real easy to get an autism diagnosis these days. In fact, you don't even have to deliver your child to a place. During the pandemic, you didn't have to do that at all. All you had to do was just sign up for a Zoom call and then someone who had training and doing this evaluation tool would do it. So now what do you do? So let's say you did that and then you got this ASD diagnosis. What do you do? So what I've got for you is five things that you can do because there are a lot of things that are out of your control. Once your child is given a diagnosis, there are things that are out of your control. So the number one thing that you, I recommend that you do after this happens to you, because this is what we're talking about on this video, is what do you do if you've got the diagnosis and you don't agree with it is number one, realize that you got what you asked for, okay? You took your child to a place that does autism evaluations. And whether you knew it or not going in, that's what happened. You took your child, you chose a provider who's biased because they obviously were not in depth listening to you about your child. They were not looking very carefully at your child because the thing is, if you believe that your child has been misdiagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, then let's just consider the fact that you're right, okay? Because I think that's what happens when you take your child to a provider who is biased to give out the autism 
diagnosis, they will not be inclined to listen to you. They will be biased to give that diagnosis. And if you don't agree with them one way or another, it doesn't really matter. They are biased to give that diagnosis. Now, maybe they're biased by their own choosing or maybe they're biased by their employer because that's what happened to me. That's the whole reason that I left the system was that when I worked in the system, it was a requirement of me in order to get paid by that system. I had to work their way. And their way was identify red flags, things that were on those checklists. Remember, I went to all that training. So whatever I saw, one of those things that I was trained in and I had to justify in order to get the job, I had to show that I was trained in spotting autism. And then in order to get clients, I had to agree that every time I saw red flags, I had to refer for autism screening. So again, the bias of the evaluator is in present, not necessarily by the choice of the provider, but by the place, the circumstance that you took the child to. So you delivered your child to be analyzed by someone for the purpose of assignment into a track of learning. That, because remember, you don't take them there just to find out what's wrong. You take them there to get help. And their version of help is to classify what's wrong with your child and then put them in a track. Are, do they need minimal intervention? Do they need a lot of intervention? Do they need intensive intervention? Do they need just monitoring depending on the levels of your child and where they are and all those things, right? So remember, if you aren't agreeing with those things, the first thing you have to do before you start to argue or complain or whatever, anything else, the very first thing to realize is that you asked for this, okay? You signed up. You even paid people potentially, you did through your tax dollars or you did through your pocketbook, you paid for this. Okay. So now you can choose when you realize that you pay for things that you can fight against and you can refuse them, or you can do what I recommend. Number two, accept, accept. Now you don't have to accept the diagnosis, but here's what you do have to accept. You have to accept that the diagnosis has been decided by people who believe that they are correct. They went to school, they went to training, they developed these systems based on evidence that they can show you. They're going to justify. They will justify exactly why they say what they say based on their training. Remember, they have been to training and they know what they know from their training. Now, that doesn't mean that they know your child. They know what they know, and you're not going to challenge them. And they believe, just like you believe they're wrong, they believe they're right. They believe you're wrong, okay? So you just have to accept that when some professional goes to whatever links they go to, they plan the evaluation, they show up at your house, they do the testing, they write the report, they analyze the content, all of the stuff that they did to get paid to do that evaluation because they got paid from somebody to show up and do this evaluation for you. And in order to get their paycheck, they have to 
completely justify everything they have done. So you just have to accept that that provider believes fully 100%, at least they are following the rules for their payment or they're following what they believe. But you don't know which of those is yet. You just have to accept that when you receive that report with the diagnosis, that not only has this evaluator um, you know, decided what is wrong with your child, right? They will expect based on their evaluation of your child in that report, they have some prediction of how they expect your child will behave. And it'll be there in the report. They'll tell you they expect your child to have poor attention. They expect your child because this is what they're showing in this period of time that they spent with you. Now, we don't know how long that was. That's on other videos. I talk about how you can really know if you got the right diagnosis or not. We'll talk about those here at the end. But for this video, it's very important that you understand that these evaluators job is to predict what your child needs as far as services. And so that's what they that's why they give them the money to do these evaluations because the system requires professionals to identify which kids go to which services. And that's what it is. Now, you signed up for your child to be involved in this system and to be benefiting from these services. So right now you have to accept that so far they have to label your child with something and they have to send them into a track based on what they believe, not based on what you believe. And that's why at the time of the evaluation, if they are not listening to you, they're just going to put their child where they think he should go and not where you think they should go. So here's what you have to do next. Okay. Number three is you have to reach out to the evaluator. So let's say you get this report and a lot of times you don't get the report right away. You have to wait a long time. Sorry, I'm needing a haircut. My hair's getting bad. Um, it, you have to you have to reach out and get some more feedback from the professional. Now, you also have to realize that your child is one of many who are being evaluated, even within the same week, potentially even within the same day by this evaluator. And after they spend their time with you, they've got to put together this long report that has to say everything they say. And very often, it is a cut and paste situation. They copy paragraphs from other reports or even potentially whole reports and just change kids' names, depending on how busy they are, depending on what's going on. If you see a report with a kid's, a different child's name in that report, then you know that's what's going on, okay? They're copying and pasting these evaluators, other kids' reports to save time and energy. Because remember, they're not being paid a ton of money to do this. They're not the person. I mean, you might be paying a lot of money, but a lot of people are taking pieces of that seven or eight hundred dollar more evaluation that you're going to. A lot of people, especially if you take them to a big uh, clinic where they're doing it, you know, all of that stuff is being paid for and your evaluation cost goes to pay the electric bill. It goes to pay the person who had to bill the insurance company. It goes, it, a lot of it 
So just that person, that evaluator, they're not making a very ton of money. And they've got to evaluate a lot of kids because after the pandemic, there are more and more and more of these kids with delays. And so there you go, right? So if you get a report that you don't believe is true, remember, that's what we're talking about on this video. You don't agree with what it says in the report. The very first thing you have to do is reach out and talk about why you disagree with the diagnosis. And this is the key here. Read this. To learn their position on the diagnosis, okay? Because remember, the evaluator are all on a spectrum, just like the kids are all on a spectrum. Some of these evaluators are old school and they really want to dig to the deep and find out what's going on with kids. If that's kind of evaluator, you're, you wouldn't be in this situation, okay? You got with an evaluator that's overwhelmed, that's overworked, that's got a lot on their plate, that's trying to get to see as many kids as they can because they don't get paid unless they see kids. And they get paid more money with more autism diagnoses and they may be biased to do it. So you've got to find out where your evaluator is in the realm of all that. And you've got to get the real deal from them about your child because you just need a second visit right now to figure out where they are. And you want to remind them of the inaccuracies. So again, if it has the wrong child's name, there's a big one. But if they labeled your child, like if they took that other child's that they had their name in your report, if they took that child's evidence that they were thinking, they were like, yeah, this child looks just like that child. Because I know a lot of kids look very similar. And when you're doing 50 evaluations every single week because you're on an evaluation team and you just keep getting kid after kid after kid after kid after kid, they all start to run together. And so the reports sort of start to run together and they all start to look the same. This could be happening to you. So you need to reach out to the evaluator and you want to find out where they stand on your child. Is this really the report that they wanted to share professionally? You got to put them on the spot and ask them really if they really, really believe this about your child because you remember trying to talk to them about this. Now, if they give you pushback at this stage, then say thank you. I appreciate you. And then what you do is you have to dig in more to find out what you're really getting into here, okay? Because remember, just like I said on number one and number two, they're not going to change. They have decided you are placed. They're moving on to the next one. The, this evaluator has very little, depending on if they are actually the person that's going to be working with your child or not, and it may not be. It may not be. It may just be an evaluation team that just evals, 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 kids, right? And you want to know from the people who are going to work with your child, okay? So that's where this one, number four, comes into play. Because once number three is you reach out to the evaluator to make sure that the evaluation report is accurate. And then you have to find the person that's going to get this report and you got to talk to them about what they're going to do with that information, okay? Because it's not completely accurate and you don't agree with it and you want to make sure that whoever's going to use it understands that it's not accurate.
that it doesn't completely talk about your specific child, that your child is unique, that he doesn't, he's not a cookie cutter. He's not like every other kid. And this general evaluation report, if it does not talk specifically about your child's unique perks and positivities, okay, then it is up to you to make sure that whoever is working with your child knows those things. Because this evaluation report is not, this diagnostic report is not about digging in and deep finding what's really going on with your child. In fact, if they haven't looked in your child's ears, if they haven't looked at your environment, if they haven't seen tech addiction, if they haven't looked at all of those things holistically, right, we're going to talk about that's what you do. Right. So that's the whole point here is you really need to ask questions about what that person's going to do with your child. And then this over here, refuse, just refuse to enroll them. Because remember, you have steps along the process. You can accept this evaluation report or not. You can rip it up and say, no, thank you. I'm done. Or you can potentially try to work within this system to get the assistance that you're looking for, right, by educating them about your child. But the most important thing is not this evaluation report. It is the plan of what they're going to do with it because the evaluation process is definitely broken. And the it's just the gateway to get into services, right? So that's the whole point here about all of this is what can you do that's going to help you? Not what can you do? Yeah, you can go and knock down the place and tell everybody that they're wrong and do all that, but it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you or your child, right? You got to learn to work with these people or work around them. And that's what number five is. Oh my goodness, here it is right here. Seek a second opinion, right? That's all you got to do is find another professional, okay? If you, if they say, yep, it's autism and you're in the track where we do ABA and we do PECs and we do OT and we do speech and we recommend the same three times a week for 30 minutes, we'll come to your house or we'll come to your kiddos preschool three times a week for 30 minutes and that's the recommendation, blah, 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 blah. You're like, all right, so how does that help you as a parent or caregiver of this child, because that's the whole reason you signed them up in the first place was to figure out how you can help them. I hope you're not trying to send your kid out to somebody else to fix what you think is broken with them. The whole point of an evaluation is to find out what's going on. So you need to find a provider who will spend hours, many hours. We're talking about autism, a neurological condition here. That, yeah, it's a spectrum, but it carries with it a lot of stigma, a lot of responsibility, a lot of, that's the whole reason it gets paid for is because it's supposed to be considered a disorder, an impairment, a disease, right? And if someone's trying to tell you that your child has a disease so that they can get paid to do their job. That's where you got to say, you know, thank you very much for your opinion, your expert opinion, but it's time for me to go find somebody else. 
to ask, go through the same process with. Go through the same process because there are no two evaluators the same. Not two. But there are a lot of common, just like there are no two kids the same. There are no two families the same. There are no two clinics the same. Everybody does things their own way. And it's always your way, my way, and the right way. <laughs> Everybody's got their own bias about it, including you. You know how you want people to work with your kiddo. Now, it's not feasible for you to make other people be like you. But you can get information from other people to help your child yourself, you see. And this is what I'm guiding you to do on this video. Now, this is Q&A and we're doing coaching. So for those of you who are joining me now, if you have a question, let's talk about your evaluation process right now. How did it go with you? How did you figure out what was going on with your child? And then based on that evaluation, were you surprised? And then what, based on their recommendations, were you surprised? Did you get to have any input about what they do with your child, where they place them, what they do? Because you do. You always, always, always have a choice about these things. And it's very important that you understand all of your options, including the fact that you can learn yourself, okay? Now, what I want to show you really quick is on my, the whole reason I'm doing this video is because I was in the system. I was being charged with the job. I was, they were like, if you want to work here, you've got to do this misdiagnosis. You've got to play this misdiagnosis game. And that's the whole reason I left the whole system in general. Um, I know that parents are better at this. And so a lot of people have found my channel because of videos like the ones I'm going to show you. And if you go just to the Waves of Communication YouTube channel and you type in the word diagnosis or you type in the word ears or you type in the word Einstein syndrome or they type in the word tech use, all those things that you think might be going on instead of autism that are going on, you're going to find all the justifications about how those things get labeled as autism by people who are experts, okay? Here's one, the the most common video, most popular video on my channel right now are these. Five reasons early autism diagnosis is a bad idea for late-talking kids zero to three. Number one, it's just because these early interventionists are not listening to parents. They're doing what they're told by their employers, and that's what's going on, like I said. The other one is this, Five reasons ear fluid is misdiagnosed as autism. It is super common, especially during the pandemic, for families to have been with ear fluid to be undiscovered because kids haven't gone in for regular doctor checks. And when kids go in for regular doctor checks, if they have ear issues and they have behaviors around that, like they never want anybody touching their head or they never want anybody touching anything, and the parent doesn't complain about that to the doctor and make sure many pediatricians will skip the ear issue. They'll skip looking in the ears. If the kid's too fighting against the pediatrician, they'll fight against getting their ears checked. And many, many parents have missed. If your child is between 12 months and three years old and they are late talking, you must get their ears checked. It is the number one reason for kids to be late talking and misdiagnosed with autism. Okay. And then 
because those videos are like three years old, I've made new ones. This for this year that are about ears, behaviors, and autism diagnosis, what you need to know in 2022. And it's again, discussing about how these evaluations, the real needed evaluations to find out the true root of these problems are not happening because everybody's leaning on this autism thing. It's just easier to see a kid on Zoom, identify those red flag behaviors and throw out that autism diagnosis, okay? So the biggest problem with that is this real medical ear issue is not being resolved. And unless it's resolved, these kids can't hear properly and they won't learn properly. They're gonna be too distracted by the ear issues to even do this whatever behavioral ABA autism therapy you're trying to do with them because they don't even realize that the kids can't hear. They think that they're more neurologically impaired than they are. They're assuming things about your child without evaluating them. You must, must, must get those ears checked. That is end all be all. And then this is the last video that I want to share with you in addition to the one that you're watching now. And this is five tips to get the right diagnosis for late talkers so that you avoid this problem altogether. And if you already have gotten the wrong diagnosis, that video is the way to start over with a brand new professional, your second opinion, so that you're going to go through all the right steps to get the right diagnosis. Because it's true, you know, we're talking about kids that are, are delayed. We're talking about problem that have, you know, that are having problems here. CG says, good morning. Thank you for the information. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for watching everybody. Because it's so... It's just true that the systems are breaking down more and more and more, and we're all in the middle of it, okay? And I know that there's parents out there whose kids have not had experiences, including doctor's visits to check their ears, but they haven't been out at parks. They haven't learned social skills. They haven't learned how to learn from their peers at preschool. And then they're going back to preschool, cold turkey, with no experience and they've been watching YouTube videos and they've been, who knows where they've been learning, what they've been learning from on the devices. And you do know what they've been learning in your home, right? How have you been interacting all of that stuff? And so my guidance for all of you, regardless of the diagnosis is it's not up to someone else to manage this process. It's really up to you. And I don't want to place extra pressure on you. I just want to remind you how powerful you are because I know that you're looking for diagnoses and professionals and therapists and you're asking your mom and your aunts and your grandma and everybody else because you're struggling with things, either things that your child in your life, the late talker in your life, is doing that you don't want them to do. They're having tantrums. They're using behaviors. They're doing something that is embarrassing you or worrying you about their future. Or they're not doing something that you see other kids talking and playing and interacting and learning and reading and stuff. And your kiddo's not doing those things yet. That's why you take them for these evaluations. And what I'm here to do, the whole reason I made the Waves of Communication channel is because I know outside of you in the community, it's just the wild, wild west right now. You just don't know what you're going to get at a clinic. And it, uh, you have resources 
to equip and empower you here on my channel that you can do. I have made workbooks for you. I've made videos for you. All you got to do is start here with the YouTube channel. Get the workbook. Start to look yourself at your situation with the lay talker and you can figure it out. Can you figure it out? Cece says, can your child's regular pediatrician check the child's ears or should they go to an ENT? What a great thing to ask. So your child's pediatrician should be the, always the first um, because hopefully you've got a pediatrician who knows your child and has done all their checks through their life. Now, again, during the pandemic, you might not have seen them, but you really do want to create a good relationship with your child's pediatrician, especially if they have had runny noses and ear infections and sore throats or tummy issues or things like that, that you've been using your own homeopathy, you've been changing your child's diet, you've been doing things at home yourself to work with your child's physical body. That means that you need to find a professional to help you, to guide you, a whole list of professionals, your pediatrician if you trust them, your chiropractor if you trust them, your homeopath if you trust them, whoever you trust to spend time with you and your late talker. Okay, it's not just a five minute, we've got to hold him down and look at his ears kind of thing. You want to get a medical professional who's going to listen to you, who's going to help you. And those medical professionals are going to have resources to guide you to. They're going to know an ENT who works with little kids. They're going to know an eye doctor who works with little kids, especially little kids who have big behaviors or kids who are on the autism spectrum, things like that. You want to find a pediatrician who is used to looking holistically at kids, okay? Now, they're your first track, and then they're going to tell you how bad the situation is. They're going to tell you if it's chronic because they're going to want you to visit frequently, or they're going to teach you how to look in your own child's ears. So you don't have to haul them to the doctor every time. You teach them how to sit quietly. You can get an otoscope on amazon.com and figure out oh man, we've got fluid in there again. We've got inflammation. You can see the redness. You can see the bulging. You can learn yourself. Work with your holistic professionals to understand what's going on with your child. And you know what? You're going to do the same thing with your therapist, right? You're going to work with, if you're working with OT, and they're working on fine motor control, tying shoes and writing and doing buttons and things like that. You want to find out what are the step-by-step -step ways to teach those things and then integrate those things in your everyday life. You just don't want to wait for the OT to show up to teach them. Same thing with speech. You don't want to just wait for the speech therapist to show up to do their speech therapy time. Whatever speech professional you have to work with, that's why I do coaching instead Instead of working with the kids only, because I found it is more effective when I, I used to spend a little bit of time playing with the kids just to trial and error some things. And then when we found what worked, the first thing I did was teach the parents how to integrate that thing into their house, not just in a sit down speech time, but into their dressing, into their eating, into their chores, into their park rides or the car, you know, on the way to commute to the go to preschool. You know, I gave them 
opportunities, ways that they could carry over what they learned from me so that when I came back, they were done. They were like, all right, what do we do next? I worked on what you taught me all week. My kid learned it because these kids are actively learning right now, right now. And that's the other thing. If you're on wait lists for these, like, okay, now I've got my autism diagnosis. Now what do you get is just a wait list for what's happening next in this kind of stuff. That's why these evaluations, working with your pediatrician, work with the workbook, work with the videos that I have here, sign on for coaching with me. You may not even need a speech pathologist, because you will learn how to analyze your own child. And if you don't think it's autism spectrum disorder, then what is it? Then what is causing the late talking? We can figure that out. You get to the true root of it. Then you work at the physiological, which is a a part of what's going on, but it's primarily habits. It's your environment and your mindset that's keeping you stuck in farming this out to somebody else is one mindset issue or, or just believing, you know, this is the other thing that happens. You'll get that diagnosis and you'll get into like this number two, when I said, really talk to them about what's going on. And they'll say, Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. You're just in denial. I know that. Yeah. You'll hear the big D word. You're in denial of your child's, you know, whatever you're in denial of the fact that your child has this neurological disorder, because I know I've seen many, many, many children that look just like your child. If that's the case, like they're, they're telling you their limitations. They're telling you that they aren't considering what you're saying. They aren't considering your child as an individual. They're considering your child as one of the many that they have helped do whatever. You can be just like these other people. You know what I mean? That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. So you are teaching me so much. My granddaughter has been evaluated twice. She is a COVID times kiddo. So there you go. There she was with a very quiet, overworked mom and dad. So of course she hasn't had experiences, right? Your poor little granddaughter has been doing her best, just like her parents were doing their best. They were stuck with, you know, their lives changed. Everybody's life changed on a dime. Summer of 2020, they were all like, "Uh uh-oh, what am I doing now? Spring of 2020, their kids were still in school. They didn't know what to do. Their job said, you got to keep doing your job or you're not going to get paid. You're not going to have your money. They're all worried about their life. And this poor little girl just had to figure out how to do her best. And they loved her and they cared for her and they kept her clean and dry and beautiful and happy. But she probably has you know, not had as much play and interaction because overworked moms and dads rely on grandmas and they rely on people who are at daycare centers to interact with their kids when they can't because you just can't do it all. You can't make the money, clean the house, pay the bills, take care of the stuff and total language language facilitation of your child. There's just not enough time in the day. So you have to have people who help you, right? And you do end up in places where you're like, oh man, we were in this period of time where we didn't get stuff done. Now you get worried. Oh no, we're behind the times. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. So Mercedes says, I'm amazed by what I'm learning. That is the whole point. That's the whole point. So hopefully 
Mercedes, you can share this video or maybe some of the other videos with this parents, this little guy, this little granddaughter's parents. And so they'll understand that things aren't as bad as you think. And that's the other thing that I want to remind everybody is, you know, you see this report and it's this big old long report telling you all the things that are wrong with this child, including you just can't look past that big autism label. And now you think the worst. Every parent does this. OK, this is the other big mindset issue about misdiagnosis is because it really messes with ya. You start to believe that these people with professionals know more about your child than you do, even though when you really look at the whole experience, they spent less than 30 minutes total actually interacting with your child. And if you consider the people who do interact with your child. Like you said, the grandmas, the cousins, the ones who you did see during the pandemic, even you and your partner, because you know the truth about these kids. And I get it that you're just looking for help. Okay. And I know you need it because that's the whole reason I do this channel. So it's here for you. Please visit wavesofcommunication.com, waves like the ocean, share it with anybody else. If they said, you know, my kid got an autism diagnosis and I don't know, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm one of them. You know, it went from one in a thousand back when I was in school to one in 40, one in 30, one in 20. You know, it doesn't matter because they're all just getting the the label anyway they so she says i'll share this thank you and so that's what i want to remind you to do you don't have to share this video so much but share the idea the idea that parents are better at connecting with their kids at teaching them how to use spoken language and i promise you it's a lot easier than you think the therapists make it look hard when they try to force your kids to do things and bribe them to do things and take away their favorite things to make them work or try or imitate words or do those things. And you see that going on, even if it's in your house, it could be going on in your house. You have a lot of power over this, you guys. You don't have to let this happen. You can just say no thank you. And I promise you that therapist, they'll have another one waiting for them in the wings. They've got wait lists right now. There's hundreds and thousands of children throughout the pandemic who did not have experiences who are now late talking. They are. They just haven't learned yet how to share their ideas and wisdom that they've been developing and learning and watching and doing however, whatever experiences they have been. Maybe they've been limited, but that means that they've been learning the same thing over and over again. And they'll get really good and maybe even obsessed about some things. So there's lots and lots of side effects, you see, of just lack of experience that cause kids to look very impaired. And they're not impaired at all. They're just doing things out of habits and habits are not always too easy to change but it is easy when you start 
from the beginning, you take it step by step, you understand what's useful and what's not. And then the thing is, what's great about this whole situation is that when you start to introduce new, exciting experiences that resonate and connect with what you know the late talker loves, you start to open the doors that have been closed through the pandemic. You start to open them one by one and you introduce these late talkers to the things that they've been missing. Guess what? They're going to pick it up. They're going to run through those doors. They're going to take all these new experiences and they're going to learn faster and catch up faster than you ever, ever thought because they want this. They want connection. They want to get out. Of course, it's how they learn. They've been missing it just like you have. Okay. And now is the time to get back out and get in doing it. Now, you if you're stuck in the middle of therapy that you don't like, that's been going on for a while, because maybe you could have picked up this diagnosis two years ago or five years ago, and you're still carrying this diagnosis, and your child has now been programmed by the system to look very autistic, to be dependent on others, because that's what the system does with kids who are impaired, is they create this dependence on picture systems and specialized classrooms and extra accommodations. They don't equip and empower these kids to become independent learners. They, they expect them to be programmed to learn what is taught to them on the teacher's schedule and not on the child schedule. And many of these late talkers are faster learners than the system allows. And that's what a lot of parents learned during the pandemic was if they had kids who were in those systems and they had gotten these diagnoses a long time ago, when they were gone from the schools and they worked with my strategies and they developed their own plan that connected their child with things their child wanted to learn in their house because it made more sense. They weren't at the school teaching them things they need to learn for school. They were teaching them things they need to learn for home, things that help their lives be successful in the house. Then suddenly those kids went back to school and they learned how to be successful in the school faster. They met their IEP goals faster, even without the school. Why? Because their parents got functional. They didn't get systemic and we got to teach this and they got to meet this criteria before we can introduce something new, the scaffolding business where you've got to learn this before we can teach this. They just taught what the child wanted, even above what they thought the child could do. And surprise, the Chads picked it up. They did because their parents connected with them to realize what they wanted to learn. And when you empower a child to learn how they want, then guess what? You can negotiate with them to learn what they need, to take on the responsibility you need them to do because we're not raising babies to grow up to be dependent babies. We're raising adults from children to grow up to be them. And these early diagnoses take that away. They just take it away from you. They take away natural, functional independence by pigeonholing your child into one of these programs that teach them these systematic things that they want them to memorize and prove on tests and stuff. The way I help parents is I teach you how to help your child be successful in that school 
without extra stuff. If they need to listen to rules, you got to make rules at home. If they need to follow a schedule, you got to make a schedule at home. If they need special equipment and clothing to wear to go to school, you've got to prep them to be able to wear that clothing and be prepared so that they don't give the teacher a hard time right? You want them to go to that school. That's the expectation of the school. It's up to you as a parent to get those kids prepared because all they get is on the job training at the school and they're constantly testing them there to see, are they doing it? Are they good? Are they still in this criteria or can we move them up? That's the only way once you're in the system to be able to get out of this program learning, your child has to demonstrate that they can do things that the school's not teaching them. And I know that sounds really wild and crazy, but that's what happens to kids who get misdiagnosed. Now it's up to the parent to prove to the school that the child is actually less impaired than they think they are, okay? And if it's been going on for years and years and years, you've got a big job for you. That is why I made my workbook for you to create data about your process. And when you say, all right, I know that's what you're doing there. I'm just going to say, no, thank take a break. Do it over summer, do it on your spring break, prove to yourself. It doesn't take long for you to create a plan that your child will love because you're not trying to teach them stuff that other people want them to learn. You're teaching them stuff that they want to learn. You're proving to them that you are capable of teaching them what they need and then they trust you and they'll learn everything from you. But when you are in a position of forcing, making, doing, creating, programming, these programs we run in ABA, when you're in the mindset of I'm programming my child, then you're, you've lost the idea, the whole idea. These kids aren't going to do anything unless they want to do it. They're not going to do it when you say. They're going to do it when they want. End of. It doesn't matter if they're two or if they're 22 or anywhere in between. That's the real thing. You need to know about all of this, diagnosing a kid, putting them in a program, none of it matters unless that child is motivated to improve their own skills, their own development, to strive to do their own thing. That's your job as a parent and caregiver is to do your best with at least two to three hours. All you need is two to three hours every day to connect with it in total not in one chunk either. So it doesn't matter if you're busy parents who are working from home and you got your kids and you got six of them at home all day. You can figure out you're interacting with them. You're telling them to do stuff. You're getting them food. You're getting them dressed. You're getting them clothed. You're keeping them safe. Through those things alone, you can prove to the late talker that you are equipped to teach them everything they need. And then when you find out, okay, I can't teach them algebra. Okay, I can't teach them piano. Okay, I can't teach them karate. Then you explain to them, I know you want me to teach you karate or piano or whatever, but I'm not good enough, but I'm going to find a teacher for you. And I'm going to find one that I trust that's going to teach you what you need to be successful in your life. I'm going to find a teacher that's going to teach you to read and write and do the things that you want the best way because I, I'm not good at that, right? We're all not good at things. And when you realize for yourself, what can you do? That's what this video is all about. Then that's where you start. 
And once you start and you see progress, then you prove it to yourself and you don't need anybody to give you any kind of diagnosis. It's easy to say no, thank you. It's easy to say no, thank you when you prove to yourself that you could do it better, right? And that's the whole point here of my waves of communication channel. So that's it for now. This is a big lecture about diagnosis and what it means and what it does for you or what it doesn't do for you. And I hope it gave you a lot to think about, okay? Thanks for tuning in today. With a whole range of Waves of Communication resources, from free content to customized coaching, you now have access to everything you need to elevate spoken language to infinite success. You are welcome to get your journey started with my 11-week language facilitation journey to speech workbook. This tool is helping parents worldwide create nonstop language facilitation opportunities that elevate spoken language beyond even their own expectations. You can access this workbook and all of the language facilitation resources on my website, wavesofcommunication.com.